Luke 4, 16 through 21. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, Here I am, and this is what I've brought with me. Listen what he has come to bring. He's come to bring good news to the poor, to the financially poor, and also to those who are spiritually impoverished to the poor in spirit as he says in the uh, uh, beatitudes to heal the brokenhearted nearly all of us at some point in our lives have had our heart broken and he's come to heal your broken heart and if he hasn't done it yet he can if you'll turn your heart toward him to proclaim liberty to the captives. There are people that are captive, and this is one of the things we're really going to be talking about this morning, that are held captive, that are held prisoners to their past, to things that have happened to them, to things that they have done. They are prisoners. They are captive. And he has come to bring release and liberty, freedom, from those things in the past and recovery of sight to the blind. So many times we can't even see what's going on in our own lives. We can't even see what we're doing while we're doing it. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's those that have been stomped on, have had their uh, uh, lives just uh, uh, shattered and, uh, and then pushed underfoot. The picture is one of a, of a vase, a beautiful vase that's fallen and shattered. And then people just walk all over the broken pieces, oppressed. And so many people are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And uh, that is the year of Jubilee when all debts are canceled, where anything that you uh, owed somebody else was taken care of, all debts were canceled. And he was talking primarily about our debts with God. And those debts were canceled because he paid the price for them, didn't he? He canceled the debt himself. We were uh, in uh, church 
I mean, we were, <laughs> yeah, we were in uh, Patty's last Sunday. We decided to stop by there and eat. It's a little place. If y'all haven't found it yet, great food, by the way. Again, just like last week, this isn't an advertisement, but uh, they do have good food, and we enjoyed the food there. And when uh, we got up to leave, somebody had paid for our meal, uh, and uh, that was just so nice, you know. Our debt was canceled, you see. Somebody, we had a debt, somebody else canceled our debt before they walked out the door, and we didn't even know about it. So that's two weeks in a row that we've gotten free meals at lunch. And so uh, anyway, y'all just keep it, keep it coming. It's good. It's nice. But, uh, anyway, so uh, but anyway, so this is uh, what Jesus came to do. And uh, he wanted to free us from our past so we can live in the present and have a glorious and blessed future ahead of us. He gave us the opportunity to step into that life by paying the price for our past sins. And that life is ours if we will receive it. And the first step in receiving it is to realize that we have incurred and deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. And then to repent of it. And following that, to receive the forgiveness that God has offered us through his son's death on the cross. He just so magnanimously has offered us that. And yet we've talked that uh, sometimes people can clench their fist and turn it upside down and not be able to receive the blessings that God has for them. Unless we turn our hand over and open it up, unless we open our hearts, we can't receive. This isn't theory. This is action. And so many people know the theory of salvation, but they've never put it into play because they've never opened their heart and receded. They've been talked about. They've talked about it. They've had it taught to them, but they haven't gone through the action of actually repenting and receiving. So uh, after we do that, the next step is to begin living the life that God has for us to live. And that includes holiness in our actions, Holdness in our relationships, turning away from sin in all the areas of our lives and trying to understand what the will of the Lord is. And this is where all of this ties in with our overarching theme that we've been under about the essentials of Christian maturity. And uh, the, what we're talking about today more than anything else is forgiveness. And uh, the reason why I brought this in, uh, and with a passage that's been kind of our thematic passage through all this is Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men or all people. Pursue peace and the sanctification or the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then it goes on and it says, see to it 
that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no one, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. Bitter roots cause trouble. And we've talked about those a couple of times. So that no bitter root, no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by many, many, by it, many are defiled. Bitterness messes up many a Christian's life. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Just one phase of bitterness. Today we're talking about forgiveness. Next week we're going to be talking about reconciliation. And these, as you're going to see, are not always the same thing. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you have to reconcile with them. But so we're going to be making all that clear this week or the, yeah, today. So uh, anyway, it's uh, this is one of the things it's clear that one of the things that definitely is at the top of the list of what God wants from us is to be forgiving. Uh, and so many times we're not. I have a whole bunch of scripture passages. I'm going to read one rather lengthy one. Uh, and that's, uh, it starts as Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had got begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. That's like, it'd be like a million dollars today. But, it, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Comparison, that'd be like $20 compared to a million dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So then his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him. Does that look familiar? He had just gotten through doing this, hadn't he? fell down at his feet and begged his master. And so now this fellow servant's fallen down at this guy's feet and he's begging him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Do those words sound familiar? That's just exactly what he said. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. 
Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was doing. So my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That's pretty strong. And there are, I'm not going to go through the rest of them. There's scripture after scripture. We just uh, quoted one of them earlier today. Whenever we uh, were reciting the Lord's Prayer together, forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And there's other scripture and other scripture that I'm not going to spend the time going through this morning. But we all know, we know that that's what he wants of us. He wants us to forgive. He's told us to. And uh, th this is just it. Uh, whether we've all, we've all been hurt in some way. We've all had people who have hurt us. We've all had offenses committed against us. And uh, let's face it, uh, God wants you to forgive. Whether it's a spouse who is unfaithful, a parent who let you down as a child, a friend who shared something told in confidence, or some other harm, we all at one time or another must deal with whether or not we are going to forgive. If we're the Lord's, if we're really the Lord's, if we're moving on to perfection, if we're moving on to becoming mature Christians, which real Christians are doing that, if you're serious about it, you have no choice in the matter of whether you're going to forgive or not forgive. It has to be done. We forgive for two reasons. First, because the Lord has emphatically told us to. And secondly, because it's best for us. And these two things go together uh, in, the, in the eyes of faith. They go hand in hand because they're tied into a real faith. As we saw last week, the kind of faith uh, the mature Christian has is not just an adherence to a certain body of doctrine that we call Christianity. It's a living, trusting, awe-filled relationship with an awesome, fearsomely powerful and loving God who really loves us and who we have discovered really wants the best for us. And because he tells us to do something, that's enough. We don't have to understand or know why in order to obey. As we obey, we discover why. That's a part of faith. You take the steps and then the revelation comes. He's not going to explain it to you or give it all to you ahead of time. We just know that if he said it, it's the thing to do. And because we love him and because we have confidence in him and in his word, we do it. 
There's a story I was going to share last week, and I was kicking myself as I walked out the door. I didn't share it, but it fits right here, so I'm going to share it now. And again, some of you have heard this, but a lot of you have not. And so I share it again today. There was a man that was driving through the mountains, and he saw a sign that said, Scenic Overlook. And he kept driving, and he came to this place where he could pull off that was right upon the pinnacle of this mountain. And he pulled off, and uh, he got all out at this scenic overlook. And some of you have been to those sort of places. They're beautiful. You could look out, and you could see all just for miles and miles. Straight drop, thousands of feet down right in front of him. And he was there. He was just taken away with the beauty of what he was seeing. And it got too close and he started teetering and he fell off. And he was plummeting down the side of the mountain, down the cliff. And he saw a branch coming and he was able to reach out and grab the branch. And he was holding the branch. And he held on and he held on and he could not hear anybody up above. Wasn't even a bird singing. No cars whizzing by. No nothing. Just him hanging there with over a thousand feet to drop straight down onto rocks, of course. And so finally he was starting to get weak and he started yelling, Help! Help! Anybody out there? Not even a bird. Not even a cricket. No sound whatsoever. Just hanging there. His fingers started to get loose. And he couldn't hold on much longer. And he kept yelling, Help! Is anybody there? And finally, he yelled, God, are you there? And this voice out of nowhere says, Yes, son. I'm right here. And he said, Well, Lord, will you help me? He said, yes, son. Let go of the limb. Anybody else out there? <laughs> now, that's the way we are a lot of times when we are faced with things like forgiveness. We don't like it. We like hanging on to uh, bitterness for some reason. I don't know why, but we do. Uh, so anyway, but this is just it. What if Abraham was hanging there? And the Lord said, yes, son, let go of the limb. You know what Abraham would have done? Tell me, what would he have done? He would have let go of the branch. He would have let go. Because he had been through so many yesterdays with his God. He knew he could trust him with now and tomorrow. And that is why we know that forgiveness is the right thing to do. It's never the wrong thing to forgive. Because the Lord's never said it's okay to be bitter. He's warned us that it can destroy us. That it causes all sorts of problems. Get rid of it. At least three different places in the Bible, it says, get rid of it. Probably more than that, but uh, I can think of three right off the top of my head. So uh, we, for, we forgive because we trust him. 
we know that it's the right thing to do. And because he tells us to do it, that's enough. We don't have to know why, as I said earlier, in order to obey. We just need to have Abraham faith and take the step. He took out walking off into the unknown because God told him to. And that's what we do. But as you walk into the unknown, it becomes known. Uh, we've lived in Katy for nine years now. We had no idea even how to get home whenever we first got there. Now that we know the place pretty well, we're familiar with it. And so over time, as you walk with the Lord, the territory becomes familiar to you and you start to know your way around. Now then, although we know this, we sometimes balk because we don't think that we can do it. And if you have uh, been hesitant because you don't think you can, or even more so what happened is because we've been so caught up in what's going on and the hurt that was caused us that we don't even connect it with what we should be doing for the Lord. We're just caught up in the moment and we're in it. And this is where God's word on the outside calls us and brings us to our senses and helps us see what we need to be doing. Uh, <clears throat> if you're hesitant because you don't think that you can, please understand that God is never going to command something that you cannot do. Anything that he commands you to do is a matter of the will. It's not a matter of feeling or emotion, although feelings and emotions are involved. Instead, it's both a decision and a process. You make a decision and then as a matter of the will, you begin the process. Just making up your mind is one thing. Sometimes that's as far as it goes because a squirrel is going to run across and you're going to miss the whole thing. But so you not, it's not until you start doing it that you're on the right track. Good intentions. We all know what goes on with those. So you make a decision. Then as a matter of the will, you begin the process. You decide to forgive and then you start taking the steps. And the wonderful thing is, that even as you make the decision and start to take the steps, the Holy Spirit will be with you, helping you, and if need be, comforting and strengthening, and let me add, cleansing you along the way. He helps you get rid of sinfulness in your heart and become more pure even as you're going through the process of trying to obey. That's the pursuing holiness and sanctification. It's a part of the process. One of the major things that causes people to not forgive are wrong concepts about what forgiveness is and what it is not. And I just want to go through uh, uh, quite a few of those real quickly here. Let me talk to you about some wrong concepts that people have. Some people think that to forgive, we have to forget the offending behavior. Forgetting is not a part of forgiving. With forgiveness, we let go of the past in order to reclaim the present. 
And, uh, but we don't forget the past. We learn from it. And the memories remain, but their power to hurt goes away. Another to forgive is to excuse the offending behavior. It's not making excuses for the other person. When we forgive, here's another one. When we forgive, we no longer hold the person accountable for the offending behavior. That's not what it's about either. They committed an offense and they are accountable for that. When we forgive another one, when we forgive, we are implying that the offender is innocent, less guilty, or somehow off the hook. No, that's not what's happening in forgiveness. Forgiveness does not imply lack of guilt. In fact, the opposite is true. There's no need to forgive the innocent, is there? Another misconception to forgive, we have to reconcile with the offender. Not necessarily. To reconcile with someone is to reestablish a relationship with that person. Reconciliation can be a part of forgiveness. And as I said, we're going to be talking about that this next week. Uh, but it's, reconciliation is only a part of it if you choose to make it so. It's not a requirement. Uh, which is why we can forgive people who are dead. We can forgive people who are in prison. And we can forgive those who don't wish to have us in their lives. Another misconception. We should forgive only if the other party deserves it. Nah. We forgive others because God has made it clear that we deserve it because we deserve to be free from the regret, from the pain that it has caused us, uh, from the uh, just uh, uh, turmoil that stays in our hearts. Whether the person who hurt us deserves our forgiveness has nothing to do with our uh, decision to give it. You remember Brother Caesar, I told you about him going to jail and forgiving uh, the one who murdered his daughter. It's not that he wasn't guilty. Do you see? It's a mad decision that Brother Caesar made to forgive that young man. We only, another, another thing is, we only forgive in response to a request for forgiveness. No request from the offending party is ever necessary for our giving of forgiveness. It's uh, we who ask ourselves to forgive the other person. And it is uh, we who benefit from the forgiving, not them. Uh, another misconception. If we forgive, we are being disloyal to those uh, the offending party hurt. And this is one that I see a lot. I see people who they, they can't forgive because they... Uh, uh, they, 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 this person hurt someone deeply, maybe even killed someone that they loved. And so uh, they think that they can't forgive because they're afraid they're going to be conceived or, or they look at themselves as being disloyal uh, if they're not seeking vengeance and uh, uh, reprisal and just carrying bitterness in their heart. But this is the culmination of all the other preceding myths which hold that forgiveness means having to forget or excuse offending behavior, 
reconcile with the offender, release the offender from accountability, or judge the offender deserving of forgiveness. The act of forgiving releases us from hatred and grants us freedom from the perpetrator. Uh, a process I'm going to share with you in just a minute is one that I developed in order to deal with problem people. Problem people are those that have hurt you. Maybe they're relatives that are still and you still have to be around them. Maybe every Thanksgiving and Christmas, there they are, right in your midst. But, uh, uh, but they've done things to you and they hurt you. And so every time there's this stuff going on within you. And uh, because of that, uh, and, and, the, and it's just it, problem people are people that they haunt you. They have a power over you. They affect all of your other relationships because of this root of bitterness that you haven't gotten rid of through forgiveness. And so uh, they, you wind up being a prisoner to the one who hurt you. And forgiving them is not letting them off the hook. Forgiveness that God wants you to have gets you off the hook. So you're freed from that person and the person that you can't stand the most is no longer dominating and controlling and affecting your life. You're free from them. Even when you come back into contact with them, it's different because you don't have all this emotional baggage from the past attached to it. You're free. And so you can handle what's going on in the here and now, in the here and now. And your reaction is not going to be an overreaction, but a real reaction based on what's happening. Another misconception. We forgive only on the basis of certain conditions such as getting an apology. Well, uh, the people that bother you the most are probably those that are never going to give you an apology. They may feel justified in what they did even and relish the times whenever you come up and start nagging on them and all because that just shows they're getting you. They're getting you. So uh, anyway, forgiveness isn't valid unless it's accepted by the other party. That's another one. You don't, if they don't have to accept your forgiveness. In fact, they probably won't. If it was a real true offense, they probably won't. But it's not about uh, those, those things. So forgiveness is not excusing. It's not pretending something didn't occur. And it's not simply saying that it's okay. It doesn't mean that you are pardoning or excusing the other person's actions. If there were no wrong actions, there's nothing to forgive. Forgiveness does not mean you need to tell the person that he or she is forgiven. And I can go on and on and repeat these in a different way, but I just want to get on down to the thing that, the thing that forgiveness is something totally different. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in Matthew 18, 35, you remember what the master said? I forgave you all that debt. And uh, something is owed. You see, whenever you are hurt, 
by someone, it's like you're issued a claim check. It's like you're issued a, uh, a promissory note that you should be able to collect on in some way. Be it a pound of flesh, a punch in the nose, or something. Somehow, you are, an apology would often do it. But you're due something from this person. And, uh, and, that's, and, and we feel that because we're created in the image of God. And God is a God of justice. But we also weren't supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's because we can't handle the knowledge of good and evil in the right way. That's why I try to keep us away from it. And so just because we know that something's wrong doesn't mean that we're going to handle it in the right way. And so the Lord's told us, forgive. And uh, that winds up being a commercial term. Uh, you see, an indebtedness has, uh, has occurred. In commercial indebtedness, societal indebtedness, criminal indebtedness, relational indebtedness, things are not settled until the indebtedness is erased in some way, either through payment or through forgiveness. And one of the most Christ-like things you can ever do is to forgive. We seem more like the master. This will make you more like the master than anything else. Whenever Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, and then he died. That word is tetelestai. That means paid in full. If you have a promissory note at the bank and somebody stamped tetelestai on it, that would be stamping it paid in full. The debt is taken care of. You no longer owe it. That's what he did on the cross. He paid your debt. He forgave your debts. And we're supposed to forgive others. So forgiveness, you see, is whenever you get alone by yourself with the Lord and you go through all those things that other person has done to you, all the real things that have happened, and the way they have hurt you. And after full, fully realizing exactly what they've done, you call them by name. And in your heart of hearts, you tear up that IOU and you say, so and so, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to expect anything from you on account of this anymore. And in your heart of hearts, you just tear up that IOU that you were given and you throw it away and you walk away from it and it is finished. You're no longer held by it. You're no longer under the control of that person. You're free to live your life free from that person at last. And as I said, you may come across them, but it's going to be different. Because all the garbage, the emotional stuff from the past is now gone. And they probably haven't changed. 
You can forgive a rattlesnake for trying to bite you, but that doesn't mean it's not a rattlesnake anymore, does it? So handling things on their own merits, you treat the rattlesnake like you ought to treat a rattlesnake, right? You uh, hold it behind its neck so it won't get you or whatever. You know, you, you know, you keep your distance. You know what to do, what not to do. No, you don't stomp on. No, no, no. Uh, Y'all are getting the wrong idea. That's the, you, you handle these people the way that you're supposed to. On what the merits of what's happening at the moment. If they say something offensive, either let it slide or call them on it if the Lord leads you to, but not with all the garbage from the past attached to it. And you don't go around all stilted and out of joint and all around them where everybody's seeing just how messed up you are because of this person. You're just going to be you. And whenever they do something wrong and they try to offend you or something, you don't give them back what they gave. And after a while, people will start to see Who's really at fault in all this stuff? You will be vindicated in that situation. And so uh, anyway, I had this whole thing that I'm not going to go through with you because we're out of time. But the most important thing is get alone by yourself. Search your heart. If there's some problem person that haunts you day and night and keeps your heart knotted, and uh, especially those people, get off by yourself with the Lord. And prayerfully forgive that person and say, so and so, I'm not going to uh, hold this against you anymore. Then ask God to forgive you for having harbored bitterness in your heart. And then turn your life to him anew and afresh. Receive his forgiveness. And along that with that will come his grace and his power and his glory to be in your life from that point on. I'll tell you, it's a great life. And I've discovered, I was just doing inventory uh, yesterday as I was sharing, getting ready to share this with y'all. And it dawned on me that I don't have to forgive nearly so much anymore. And I was sharing with this morning and I began to think, oh, I guess as you mature as a Christian, you get to where you just, uh, you're living out of 1 Corinthians 13 where love does not take into account a wrong suffered. And this thinking like that can puff you up because the Lord just kind of nudged me this morning as I was sharing this with Sharon and said, you know, you're not around near as many people now as you used to be. <laughs> people don't change. People are still going to do things that can get under your skin. People are still going to do things that hurt. That's a part of living the Christian life. And I shared with you a long time ago, whenever I came to know the Lord, I was going to have to come out of my shell. I knew it because he tells us to love people. If you start loving people, you have to make yourself vulnerable. You have to stick your neck out. If you stick your neck out, you might get whacked. And I said, Lord, if I, if I start trying to live like that, I'm going to get hurt. And he said, yeah, I know. But you know, one out of 12 ain't bad. Out of the 12 men that he shared himself deeply with, one brutally betrayed him. 
And if we get in our little shells and stay there and stay guarded and don't let down our defenses, we miss out on a lot of wonderful, good relationships. And I think the ratio is about one out of 12 that you might have a problem with. And if so, you just forgive them and move on. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.